This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. There's a third wave in coffee brewing, and at least one investor thinks it's a wave worth riding. It is a lifestyle thing. Once you become a pour-over person, it's what you want to drink. Like and, If you're a coffee person, this yeah. is where coffee is going, 100%. Yeah. And going with it is today's startup, Copper Cow Coffee. In fact, founder Debbie Way Mullen has already bootstrapped her way into stores across the country. And while that's great, if she wants venture backing, she'll have to prove she's ready to take on the world's biggest marketplace, the internet. Let's see how she does. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch. Our investors today, Alexandra Stanton. Alexandra is CEO of Empire Global Ventures. And on the side, she likes to make strategic bets on startups she thinks will strike gold. Phil Nadell. As a serial entrepreneur, Phil built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested 20 million in over 100 startups to date. Sheil Manat. Sheil has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel investor and he's invested in several companies worth billions today. All right, on with the pitch. When do I start? How about now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Debbie. I'm CEO of Copper Cow Coffee, where we reimagine Asian beverages for your home, office, and adventure. So my mother is from Vietnam. She immigrated here in 75 as a refugee. And even though I was born and raised in California, I actually ate Vietnamese food exclusively in my house. I actually remember being in college and bringing all of my friends home to my mom's house for brunch and people being totally blown away by all of the flavors, especially Vietnamese coffee. And I thought that people would love Vietnamese coffee if it was just presented to them with really, really great ingredients and innovative packaging that fit their lifestyle. So Debbie started Copper Cow Coffee in 2016, an easy-to-make Vietnamese coffee for people on the go. And she got a great response. Within a year, her coffee and Thai iced tea products were in more than 3,000 stores across the country, including Walmart. But I think that retail success is just the beginning because I think the future of Copper Cow is actually really in selling online as well as into offices. Since launching online earlier this year, we've been growing 20% month over month. Um, completely organically. And then we've also launched an office coffee program this summer, and we're already in over 40 offices. So I'm here today to raise $2 million so that we can have Copper Cow Coffee be a household name. Great. Tell yeah. us about a little bit about the product. You said uh, you made it super convenient. Yeah. So, so actually, why don't I make you guys some coffee? Cool. Uh, if you guys are ready for it. Awesome. It's very attractive, the packaging. Thank you. Well done. 
Debbie tears open a matte black and white packet. She pulls out what looks like a white tea bag with a perforated top and paper tabs on each side. Inside the little bag is a single serving's worth of ground coffee. So the way it comes is a portable pour over. So it's just in this handy little packet. You open it up and it just fits over your cup. You tear off the top. Extending those tabs, she suspends the coffee pouch over the mug and starts pouring hot water over the coffee, which filters into the cup. Ta-da, it's pour over. And it comes with a little packet of sweetened condensed milk. So is is pour over, uh, and again, for me, forgive me because I'm not a coffee drinker, is that un- unavailable? Otherwise, are you the only one doing pour over for in-home use? Um, there's a couple other companies who um, who are selling a similar format. If anybody wants to try it black first. Okay. Here you go. Thank you. It's a little super strength right now. I'll do it with the With, with the, the creamer. Con- mm-hmm. So Vietnamese coffee is kind of known for its strength. Um, the, the varietal is very caffeinated. This is probably one and a half to two cups of coffee of caffeine. So if I'm someone who drinks uh, half a pot of pure espresso in the morning, yeah, this am would I be, good? This would be awesome good. for you, yes. What is your background? Um, so my background is um, I went to Berkeley and MIT, and I used to work at the World Bank in supply chain management and, um, and project finance. Yours yeah. is your first... Uh, rodeo in terms of uh, starting a company? Well, First-time founder? Um, actually, I first started um, about five years ago with a cooking line for you to make Vietnamese food at home. Um, so I did that on the side while I was still at the World Bank. Um, and I got into lots of stores, got into several regions of Whole Foods, Dian DeLuca, a lot of really great stores. Um, but when I would call them and be like, how do I get it to move more? They'd be like, well, it moves great for the category. And I began <laughs> to learn that that only 10% of Americans cook, you know, and I need to meet my consumer where they're at. And I'm not going to convince, you know, 90% of Americans to cook by an oil and vinegar line. So, um, but I, Vietnamese coffee was always top of mind as a product because I had so much, um, I thought, proof of concept of people really loving an elevated Vietnamese food concept. And so, and you guys are Vietnamese, so there's obviously the condensed milk part of it. What percent of your customers are using it just for the coffee versus the Vietnamese coffee, like the condensed milk add-on? Right. So about 60% of Americans drink their coffee with cream and sugar. Yep. Um, and we find about 80% of our peop- of our customers drink it with the condensed milk. Okay. What's the price point per serving, too, just so I have... Um, so it really ranges. So in retail, it's it's pretty high. It's about $2 a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes... The, but that includes the creamer. Okay. So $2 retail. Can you take us through... Just the numbers quickly, like, what does it cost you? What do you sell it to the retailer for, generally speaking? So we have been selling with a consistent 45% margin for wholesale because 80% of our business is still retail because of all the retailers that we're in. Um, historically, it's been a higher margin for e-com, yeah. though we're going to kind of reconfigure e-com to be a subscription model where you get month supplies of coffee. Makes sense. Yeah. And what are you hearing from the retailers? Like, how do they feel about how sales are going for this category? Like, are they reordering? Or I guess, are you at that point yet with Walmart? Yeah, well, Walmart is selling really well. We're doing about two turns per store per SKU per week. Okay. Um, so that's that's really strong for the price point um, and it being a brand new product. In the coffee, not the tea? Both. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Equally? Um, the tea is selling a little bit higher in oh, Walmart. Interesting. Um, Do you have a sense within offices who is drinking your coffee repeatedly, right? Is it the junior account executives who are 28? Is it the C-suite? Who is it? So 
What we find is that people over the age of 35 are not very flexible about trying new coffee drinks. Um, so it's primarily millennials, yes. Especially people, um, the highest conversion is definitely people who have experience with specialty coffee, as well as we do have some really diehard like fans who, are, who know about Vietnamese coffee. But Vietnamese coffee is still a pretty unknown um, commodity. So yeah, it's I was going to say, this sounds like a, like a narrow, I'm not a coffee drinker, but this sounds like a narrow niche that you're you're addressing. So how do you get people to try it for the first time if they're not familiar with Vietnamese coffee? Well, one thing is definitely um, just like beautiful branding. Um, I think it's, even though Vietnamese coffee, if we say just Vietnamese coffee, I think that does sound a little niche, but the idea of it being like a specialty Asian beverage brand, it's definitely, um, I think, something that people want to try. Do you have a sense in the offices, are people using this as a replacement for K-cup or this sort of normal filter coffee, or is this sort of more like a special treat? Like, how, do, how does it play out in the office environment? So for our smaller office clients, um, it's a K-cup replacement. Mm-hmm. What some of our other office clients, like Lyft headquarters carries us, mm-hmm. they buy about $3,000 of copper cow a month, and they have 15 types of coffee. And we're just one of the many exotic coffees that they provide. Yeah. And so what are you doing in terms of revenue so far? Um, so last year we did 200000 and this year we're looking to do 800000 Okay. So Debbie, you're, you're raising $2 million, you said, right? Yes. And what are the terms? Um, it's a 5.5 pre-money valuation. And how much of the $2 million has been committed so far? Um, uh, 1.725. I just should disclose, I'm an investor in DripKit. I know. So I, know. I just yeah, want to yeah. be. I just want to be clear in case there's anything you don't want to share or anything like that. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. So I, I'm going to have to be out, but I am a big believer in the category. You got a free cup of coffee first, though. <laughs> I see. It's very good. It is very good coffee, and I did, I just wanted to put that out there before she goes into competition. That's all. Very thoughtful of you. Does, does TripKit do? I don't know about TripKit. Do they yeah, do pour it, over coffee? They do. They do. They, they do, do, but they don't do Vietnamese. They do more tradition. It's more of a traditional single-use pour-over coffee. I have like three of them in my bag. I travel with them. This is like this is totally a thing. Like and if you're a coffee person, this yeah. is where coffee is going, one hundred percent. Since he's already invested in the competition, Charles is out. But he's noting that Debbie is a part of this trendy third wave of coffee. Third-wave coffee companies obsess over every bean, from where it's grown to how it's processed, and then they help you perfect the brew at home. And that's what Debbie is doing with her Vietnamese coffee and Vietnamese coffee growers. So even though Charles can't invest in Copper Cow, his endorsement of the overall trend actually could be good news for Debbie, if she can prove her product is unique. What's your differentiation from DripKit? Um, well, first of all, is definitely the blend, um, is that Vietnamese coffee has a very different profile than, a lo- they're definitely highlighting a lot of these like really light roast single origin coffees, which honestly are a little unforgiving if you mess up the brew. Um, our Vietnamese coffee, we're the first people to be introducing third wave Vietnamese coffee. Historically, this is something that's actually pretty new. Um, Vietnam's the second largest coffee producer in the world, but just in the past five years have started to have high-end beans. So it's really awesome to introduce that. It's really smooth. It's definitely a really, it's kind of a wonderful foolproof uh, brew. Can I ask you a slightly different question? Sure. Which is, I feel like I'm a big coffee person. I feel like part of what helped the third wave mainstream coffee people is they were a unit. They were 
four or five, six roasters who were all pioneering together. And I think if you want to add up, you know, Blue Bottle Intelligence, all those folks, they collectively lifted each other's boats. Totally. I And like, is that agree. happening in Vietnamese coffee or are you sort of the pioneer? Like, No, ha- it's totally happening. Yeah. In, in Asia in general, yeah. um, third wave coffee is really, really exploding mm-hmm. and particularly in Vietnam. But I mean, the United States is, because I feel like Blue Bottle Intelligentsia, Psych Class, those folks, Ritual, they all helped you. They didn't collaborate, but because you had four or five really strong brands pioneering high-quality coffee, it raised everybody's expectations for what the product should be. Right. And it feels to me, like, from what you're saying, like, you're on the front wave of the third wave for Vietnamese coffee. I would say that I'm the only person who's really bringing high-end Vietnamese coffee to the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's because it, it's such a new thing, yep. yeah. um, and it's such a new market um, that, and there really isn't an awesome, super fun, millennial-focused, yeah. accessible coffee company. Yeah. So that's one of my concerns about this is that I still view it as being a, a, a real niche, and right. I wonder when you say it's on trend, what what informs that decision? Why do you think that it's on trend? Um, I definitely think it's it's the three thousand retailers. How quickly we've been able to get into stores. I mean, it's not it's really not common to be in Walmart and you're like to be in. We got into Walmart twelve months into business. I agree with you. What, um, so what is it about? The product it's, it's, that Walmart and these other retailers are attracted to. It's pour over, definitely. And just that high-end coffee and retail space is trending. And a lot of really, like, these great companies that you're talking about, Blue Bottle, Intelligentsia, um, La Colombe, you know, they're really fixated on either, like, a ready-to-drink beverage, which is heavy and not shippable, or they're talking about coffee beans. Um, and so this, so both pour over, as well as it being an uh, uh, elevated Asian brand, um, Asian concepts are really, really hitting well with Asian Americans, which is one of the fastest growing um, consumption areas in the U.S. What percentage of your current revenue, let's say for 2018, is from online and what's, what percentage from office and, and what percentage retail. from retail? Um, 80% from, um, from retail, 10% from online, and 10% from offices. Okay. What do you want that to be next year? Um, I would love it to be more of a third, third, third. What the investors just heard is that this business is almost entirely reliant on brick-and-mortar channels like Walmart. But for someone like Phil to invest, Debbie will need to convince them that she's got a solid plan for how to grow her business via the Internet, which represents a much bigger opportunity. What about online. So what's your current customer acquisition cost and what channels are you using? That's the thing is we, it's been all organic to date. Oh, so we, okay. we haven't really, That's and that's one of the things that we're really going to figure out with this funding. Because we when we, we launched the product line, we did it at the Fancy Food Show with a lot of my contacts that I had in the retail space. And we've just been kind of falling over ourselves trying to uh, meet that demand when really we would actually like to focus on direct-to-consumer on online. And so... Um, How are they finding you currently? You say um, it's organic, so how are they? Buy, they find it in stores and they buy it online. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So who are you going to hire or bring on to help with that since you don't have a lot of background in online direct marketing? So immediately we want to hire a digital um, growth marketer, um, someone who can really kind of execute a lot of the Facebook ads, Google ads, things like that. Um, But right now I'm doing lots of dating for like a more senior kind of head of brand person or head of e-com, someone who's experienced building an e-com brand, um, probably from fashion or, or cosmetics based in L.A. 
Charles, what has been your experience, obviously leaving out any competitive details, in terms of the arc uh, of a brand like this and what Debbie may run into? I think the the best trend that Debbie has going for is that I think once you become a pour-over person, it's kind of the only kind of coffee you want to drink. It, Why like, is that? It, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. Like once you've had, I don't know, I, I drink a lot of pour-over coffee. Just I make because it, it's easier? No, it's better. It's it not. Is. It's actually not easier. Oh, I make not. pour over at home. I have pearl scale. I've got like a whole Hario yeah, yeah. whole setup. It's better. It's cleaner. You get a better expression. Not to get too coffee nerd. You get a better expression of the bean. Totally. It's just. It's a better coffee experience than French press. And like drinking drip brew is. Like, ugh. I used to carry a filter and an electric kettle in my suitcase, and it was like a lot of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, you, you, aren't, yeah. you aren't alone. No, no, I'm not even kidding you. Yeah, I used to carry this with me. And like the fill, this will give you some a point of reference. A good cup of pour-over coffee in New York or San Francisco is going to run you 4 to $5 in a coffee shop. Or okay. more. Or more. So if you're a pour-over person, the idea of being able to have pour-over in your office or on the go with you, is a, it's a lifestyle. Once you become a pour-over person, it's what you want to drink. And this is something that takes 60 seconds to make and is offers really, really great flavor. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I think is really beautiful about like a lot of the great e-com companies that I'm trying to aspire to is that they really maximize um, kind of price point as well as luxury. And I feel like Copper Cow does that. We're not the most expensive coffee on the market. You know, we're really, really great coffee that's really easy to make, that empowers anybody to make their own coffee without having to think about, do I already own a French press? Do I own a Chemex? Do I own a drip coffee maker? But how difficult would it be for Starbucks to offer more pour-over options and make it more of a mainstream part of their product mix? I would say that the typical consumer that we're going after is somebody who wants something better than Starbucks. This is much better than Starbucks coffee. Um, It's much higher grade. You'll be able to taste the difference um, between like a Starbucks or our pour-over. Let me get a third-party opinion. Charles, you're a coffee snob. You just tasted it. I avoid Starbucks at all. But I want to hear what you think of the quality. I think this is excellent. And I think it's. I think this is a very. And I drink. I like Vietnamese coffee. I think this is a very good expression of Vietnamese coffee. So, so on some levels, Debbie to succeed over some of these other brands is not just have to get through the other small emerging brands, but she has to persuade on some levels Starbucks drinkers to switch. I disagree. I mean, Blue Bottle was a seven hundred million dollar. Outcome with maybe mm. thirty or forty retail locations at the time that they sold. Yeah, and but a very loyal. They built a brand. They built a brand. They, the the <clears throat> the acquisition was not about how many stores they had. It was about the brand that That's they had right. built. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with with coffee company acquisitions, yeah. they're always quite large. They're I very, mean, the co- multiples coffee, are coffee companies that you haven't even ever heard of are selling for three hundred million. There's a <laughs> there's a lot to like thinking. here, you know. There's a everyone's looking at me. There's a lot to like here. Um, I, I think, judging by what what Charles is saying about the coffee market and Debbie, what you're telling us about sort of being on trend in terms of Asian, uh, you know, the Asian market, but also um, the ease of use of the pour over coffee, yes, and the strength and the quality of the product and the differentiation in terms of the creamer. Like, th- there's a lot. There's a lot to like here. I think. Y- you know, you've made tremendous early progress with with third party retail, which is really impressive, and your revenues for uh, an early company are reasonable, especially relative to the valuation you're you're looking for. Yes, yes. So, I guess for me, you know, 
I, I keep coming back to the fact that I see it as somewhat of a, of a niche product in terms of either, you know, high-end, very high-end Vietnamese coffee. I, I don't know how, how mainstream it'll be. It's definitely a high-end coffee, like I said. But, you know, our we're, we're going to, with the subscription model and for offices, we're cheaper than Nespresso, you know. Um, so we're, we're somewhere halfway between a K-cup and an Nespresso pod. So when we talk about market size, I, I do think that there's, there's a huge market for this price point. Yeah, um, I, I guess uh, you know, I'm I'm I wish I find myself wishing that you had more traction online, yes. or at yeah, least, or at least that you had the team in place with that experience to build the online presence. Right. I'm sure I just would love to see more traction in that area. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm having trouble with it. I'm having trouble. <laughs> Uh, I'm conflicted. Let me ease your troubles. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've shared with you. Well, uh, this is your chance. Give me, give me your best shot at why I should invest. Debbie's best shot when we come back. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Before the break, Phil was struggling over the decision whether to invest in Copper Cow Coffee. His big hang-up is that the founder, Debbie Mullen, hasn't made much of a dent online. And even though her coffee is doing pretty well in brick-and-mortar stores, VCs get way more excited about direct-to-consumer online sales. In stores, you don't really know how any one customer will act, like if they'd buy again and how often. But online, you do. And that's the kind of thing investors like Phil want to know. Well, uh, this is your chance. Give me, give me your best shot at why I should invest. I've told you what my concerns are. I've told you what I like yes. about it. I think the valuation's reasonable. It sounds like you have good institutional yeah, support. Definitely. Right. Um, so there are a lot of pros, but I'm concerned about. I, and I think I think that's that's something that's come up with investors a lot. And I think that the the rebuttal for that is a couple things. One is that 
um, my background, I'm like an, an analytics all day. Like I went to Berkeley, I went to MIT, I was an analyst at the World Bank. Um, honestly, I think my skill set is going to be growing online in iterate an iterative analytical strategy. And even though I haven't done it before, I know that I'm going to be able to find the right partners to do it and really conquer this space. Um, so, I mean, I know that it's not something that I have necessarily background in, but I also didn't have background in food and have like done really well since quitting my job two years ago. What did you what did you learn from that food experience? What was the primary takeaway? The primary takeaway was that I can't just bootstrap this into national distribution. This is something that really requires specific partners. And the other thing was just that there is such appetite for this type of brand. And there's nobody else doing something that kind of has this type of, it's it's something that's familiar. It, it definitely pays homage with flavor to the things that I grew up loving as an Asian American, but it's totally elevated and kind of modernized for the American consumer so that everybody can get on board with it. You know, I, I'm like you, Debbie, I'm a numbers person. I'm an analytics junkie, mm-hmm. right? So I like to see customer acquisition cost. I like of to course. see lifetime value. I like to see all the numbers from the online um, sales channel. Right. We're just not there yet. Right. So I think I'd rather, you know, I'm passing for now, but mm-hmm. I'd like to look at this in the next round. Great. Great. About Great. That. I hope yeah. so. Thank yeah. you. Phil is out. Here's Sheil. So I, first of all, I love you. I can't believe <laughs> yep. I'm, I think <laughs> like the fact that you've built this and gotten three, 3,000 stores basically all by yourself is incredible. Um, and I think you should get a, a ton of credit for that. My fiance, by the way, is addicted to your product. Um, she like every single day. Um, and like when we go on trips, she takes it with her. Um, so I think like you have a, an audience that loves the product. So I think that's that's awesome. Um, I'm not a coffee drinker. For me, it's just like a category I don't know well enough to, to make an investment. I wish you the best, but for me personally to invest in this round, I'm passing. Sheil is out. Debbie only has one shot left. Alexandra. I have watched Glossier uh, with- One of my faves. uh, Exactly, right? They've built that channel. But those audiences and how they tested early were everything. I think I'm I'm a little stuck around the marketing piece of it as well, because you do- I agree with you. The the lifts and the WalMarts of the world are uh, very attractive and great to kind of for a year you know old company totally. to get someone's attention, saying, "Okay, there's some retail stickiness here, and they're sticking yeah. with you." But that online piece is going to be everything. Um, but I'm passing for now. But I'm a huge, as she'll say, I'm a huge fan of yours. I think you're a badass. <laughs> so in a good way. <laughs> that no, that 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 is a good term. I do think though, you guys like seriously, like she built this to a million dollars in revenue all on our own, and you're like, oh, I need to see more proof? Proof online. No, it, proof online, yeah, like- Third-party retail look, is I, not I've a business. I've growth marketers. Like, she can hire a growth marketer. That's, I, I don't think that, like, I don't think she needs that skill set as a co- as a co-founder. Like, this is, I mean, this is a seed deal. I, I don't know what you're expecting. That, that's a good argument, right? Uh, but- if you're an investor who likes to invest in direct-to-consumer companies, this is not yet it. That's fair. Correct. That's totally fair. She's moving in the direction of the kind of company I want to invest in, but you know, next <laughs> but round. But not there yet. Not, not no. there at this time. It's early. 
but you're tremendous, and congrats. Thank Congratulations. you. Thanks, Thank you guys, you. for you've the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you've built a we'll great s- product. Oh, uh, yeah, awesome. we'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. So, seriously, for me, that was that was a tough one because there's a lot there to like. It really is. And uh, I just needed that that online piece. Yeah, I think that's fair. The D2C, like, drip kit is almost exclusively D2C. You just learn so much more about who your buyer is, yeah. why they buy. To all the questions you had, who's your buyer? How often do they buy? We didn't talk about repurchase rates. Like, this is all stuff that you— She doesn't could, know that stuff. You, and yeah. you can't know with retail. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't know. And then, yeah, and look, to me, like, sometimes anti-patterns work. She's doing, like, the opposite of what my instincts— say to do, yeah. which are like target people who are already familiar with the category, mm-hmm. who like Vietnamese coffee, but don't want to go through the hassle of making it. And sometimes anti-patterns work. My first my first instinct when I heard about this company, maybe it's almost been maybe eight, nine months ago, was like, yeah, this is such a niche. But over the past several months, I've started to see it in offices everywhere mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And I see people loving it. Yeah. And so I think like, I don't know coffee, so I thought it was like a super niche product, but it is mainstream. I'm curious, would you, if you didn't have a conflict, would you have invested, Charles? No, because I would have preferred to see her start just say like, we have to build this brand ground up with consumer love and attention, D to C. We're not going to get distracted by the opportunity to distribute in retail because it's not going to give us the connection with the customer that we want. But I I think there probably is something to, like I've seen people who literally saw it at retail and then ordered online. So here we are talking about the brand, right? And the importance of building a brand, especially in D2C. Do you think that as a young company that her early decision to distribute through a thousand Walmarts yeah. is a mistake in terms of brand? Yes. I do too, right? Because- It's hard to turn that down. You know, Walmart is mainstream America. That's not the brand you want to build for this. I think you want to go after that high-end coffee drinker and Walmart's not the right channel. She so, probably thought that was a way to get investors. It, well, it's also great distribution, get the word out, get yep. immediate sales, no doubt. But I do think that from a brand, building a brand yeah, perspective. It feels, it feels off. Look, she had an earlier food company and she learned a lot. Phil's question to her was a good one, what she learned, right? And she's going to learn here because she has basically no online experience, no marketing experience, and no one inside on marketing. And she'll learn and make some mistakes. The Glossier example is a very good one for her. And I did have some questions as to why from Jump there wasn't someone, perhaps not a co-founder, if that's a little hard to imagine, Mm -hmm. right? But someone a little more advisory by her side. She could have said, you know, I've got this person, we meet twice a week, we take a look, we're planning stuff. There's a lot of ways to answer that question, and she didn't. You can't say I'm shifting a D to C, but I've got no one inside, no one over the course of the first year, and no one advising me. I'm just telling you, it wasn't enough there. I'm surprised Phil stayed in that long. This was like, I thought this was the total anti-Phil deal. No (laughs) metrics, no numbers. (laughs) And I was surprised. I could tell you were hanging in there. I was really actually surprised. There is almost a million in revenue. Mm -hmm. There are 3,000 stores. There were some numbers. Yeah, there's some good 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 indicators there, but not exactly what I'm looking for. I was surprised. I thought Phil would have been out (laughs) 20 minutes in. Debbie left the room without investment. And it all came down to the fact that investors wanted to see her product online and not be so dependent on retail stores. So I wanted to get her take on that retail versus online debate. For my path, I know that being an entrepreneur is equal parts 
you know, doing what you really believe um, is going to be what's great long term for your brand, but then also taking advantage of the opportunities that come to you. And I just thought it was such an incredible opportunity um, that was going to pay money right then. And, you know, it every every few months we'd say, OK, well, let's just fulfill this really great retailer and then let's switch over to uh, focusing on e-com. But every few months we would get into another thousand stores. And so um, it just kind of really delayed that process. But but when Walmart calls you up, it's it's a really hard thing to turn down, you know, even if it did divert our focus for a few more months. But here's the crazy thing. Immediately after Debbie left the studios at Gimlet, she headed straight to another pitch meeting. This one with one of the partners at Social Starts, Mike Edelhart. When Debbie sat down with me, the first thing I did, and she brought some samples, and I picked the samples up and looked at her and said, really? Vietnamese coffee? You think a Vietnamese coffee company is venture-backable? Why? Debbie looked me in the eye with a very forthright uh, posture and said, whoever said I was in the Vietnamese coffee business? And I said, what business are you in then? Debbie went on to explain the third wave coffee trend and how Copper Cow is the first company to put a third wave twist on Vietnamese coffee. And I began to feel like I was sitting across from a human being who was capable of doing exactly that. And he rather liked Debbie's approach of making Copper Cow available in as many places as possible. Here's Debbie explaining why that's important to her. You know, people want an omni-channel experience. They want to be able to buy it online. They want to be able to buy it at the corner store. They want to be able to buy it on Amazon. And we want to be able to be able to have people find us where they can. Often the companies don't really get what the market wants from them until they're engaged with the market. And then the smart entrepreneurs get taught by the market and they listen. Just two days after hearing Debbie's pitch, Mike's fund invested. And just like that, Debbie's $2 million round of fundraising was finished. With money in the bank, Debbie was riding high. She still has hopes that the investors on our show will come around eventually, despite things being a tough sell in the room. You know, this this process is full of rejection. I once had a, an investor say to me, oh, well, this isn't gonna be the next Facebook. You know, and of course it's not going to be the next Facebook. I'm not pitching Facebook. You know, when someone doesn't even respect your business and doesn't even try to understand why this is exciting and then kind of throws away the whole premise of what you're doing, those are the really hard pitches. This was a really fun pitch. I would not be surprised um, if they came in on the later round. I guarantee you that there are going to be a lot of people who said no on this round who are going to say yes on the next round. That's all for today's episode. The pitch is back in season. And as such, we've got another pitch coming to you next week. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode. Go now. Tell your friends. The pitch is back. Our show is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Kareem Maddox, Molly Donahue, and Heather Rogers, and we're edited by Blythe Terrell. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker, 
Theme music from Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch, and we discovered Debbie on a plane. Seriously, thanks to Victoria Barner for sitting next to Debbie on a plane and then telling us about Copper Cow Coffee. Our disclaimer, no offer to invest, is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.